Hello there, Shwilk Lords. I'm just here to tell you my new song, Dry Spell, is out now wherever you're streaming music. Go check that out at the end of this episode. You can listen to the song in its entirety, so stay tuned for that and don't touch the dial. This episode is brought to you by Novello Mattresses, where comfort meets innovation, giving you the perfect night's sleep you've been dreaming of. Are you tired of tossing and turning all night, struggling to find a comfortable position? Look no further than Novilla Mattresses, the ultimate sleep solution designed with your comfort in mind. Experience the luxury of a good night's sleep with Novilla's advanced mattress technology. Their mattresses are crafted using the finest materials, providing the perfect balance of support and softness. Whether you prefer a plush feel or a firmer surface, Novilla has a mattress that caters to your unique sleep preference. But what sets Novilla apart from the rest? It's their commitment to innovation and and quality. Each mattress is thoughtfully engineered to provide optimal spinal alignment, reducing pressure points, and ensuring you wake up feeling refreshed and rejuvenated every morning. Say goodbye to restless nights and hello to blissful sleep with Novilla's cutting-edge cooling technology. Their mattresses are designed to regulate temperature, keeping you cool and comfortable throughout the night. No more waking up in a sweat, just pure, uninterrupted sleep. Worried about allergens and dust mites? Don't be. Novilla mattresses are hypoallergenic and resistant to common allergens, ensuring a healthier sleep environment for you and your loved ones. And here's the best part. Novilla is committed to affordability. They believe that everyone deserves a great night's sleep without breaking the bank. That's why their mattresses are competitively priced, giving you the best value for your money. But don't just take our word for it. Join the thousands of satisfied customers who have already made the switch to Novilla. Even when your mom comes to my place, just know she's getting a great night's sleep, among other things. <laughs> Experience the difference for yourself and discover what it truly means to sleep like you've never slept before. Using promo code SHWEEZY or the link in our description, you can save 10% off any purchase you make through Novilla directly. Ready to transform your sleep experience? Visit their website today and choose the Novilla mattress that suits your needs. Your journey to a better night's sleep starts now with Novilla mattresses. And a reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. When you want it the most, there's no easy way out. When you're ready to go and your heart's left in doubt, don't give up on your faith. Love comes to those who believe it, and that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Hello. What is going on, my fellow Schwoke Lords? What is up? What is going on? Welcome back to yet another best episode of Cancel Shweezy. This is going to be the best episode we've ever, ever made. Why? It's because we're wasting away again in Margaritaville. You know, searching for that last shaker of salt. You're in her DMs. I'm wasting away again at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. We are not the same. And... That is true. That is true. You're in her DMs. I'm in her. I'm in her septic tank. We're not the same. You know, <laughs> it's just stuff like that. Why would you rather be talking to women when you could be a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville? Right. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, man. Your music was horrible, but you were kind of a meme. So, you know, uh, good friend Grass Kingdoms. He he made a post. He said, uh, "Check on your white friends. We're not doing good." Uh, because yeah, we're we're all wasting away again, Margarita Only, and that's the real problem is the wasting away part. Because isn't that kind of what Jimmy did? I don't know. He was on a boat. He he was 
he boated. Oh, I don't know what's the term. A boat enthusiast. I don't know. He was on his boat a lot. Uh, I worked on it was like Tis the Sea Sun. His Christmas album, I think that came out in like 2016. It's working at the studio that they recorded it at. I don't have any. If you're like, oh, Schmoozy has credits on there, I'm like, no, I don't. I was working for a studio. And so when it says recorded here, that's where my credit comes in. Uh, they're recording the credit. And then the whole band, Jimmy's whole band was there ready to record and everything, except for Jimmy. So they recorded like everyone else's parts. And then Jimmy didn't even show up, you know, to any session to, you know, record or anything like that. Uh, so I assume he was just like recording on his boat or whatever, you know. I don't know. That just seems kind of weird, you know. He's just like, yeah, the band's going to record their. I guess that's how Taylor Swift is knocking out these uh, these Taylor's versions because I'm um, like she how, she only needs to really be there because I, I guarantee she doesn't really play guitar on those albums. Uh, so you know I assume it's just like yeah we're gonna hey you hear this song we're just gonna remake it entirely and it's like that seems like a waste. It's you know if you know the whole story, uh, you'd know that it is definitely not a waste of time. It's a good it's a good thing. Uh, to do, but speaking of speaking of people dying, uh, the years start coming in. It looks like they did stop coming for our man Steve Harwell. Uh, Smash Mouth, rest in peace. I think he, I think was it liver failure. Uh, Steve, let me just look. I thought it was like liver cancer or something like that. Steve, let's look it up. Steve, Eve Harwell. Cause of death. There we go. We all we all know what's fucking up. Acute liver failure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty fucking sad story because uh, I don't know how many of you kept up. I don't even think I reported on it on this show, but uh, I think the last live performance Smash Mouth did was pure and utter chaos. And now I think I know why. And they were like, I think we're done playing music. You know. Uh, I'm pretty sure Steve was probably one, possibly had cancer at that point of time. And uh, he was probably, he probably had a drinking problem. Usually, usually if it's liver failure, usually if it has something to do with liver, because your liver is what filters shit out. And when, and some of you know, some of you have a fucking Brita filter in your fridge. Right now, the filter hasn't been changed in, like, 10 years, you know? Y'all have it, you know? It's in It's in your... It is in your fridge. If you don't have, like, the water thing that comes out of it, like, we all guarantee if you have a water filter, that shit's not been changed. Uh, but, yeah, no, Steve Harwell, rest in, rest in peace. You know, people talk about Smash Mouth being a meme. All-Star is legitimately just a phenomenal song. And it takes... It really takes a song somehow like a song like that and how they, you know, and I'm going to talk about Shrek and Shrek is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. It's up there. I think Shrek, uh, I mean, I don't know. Shrek two and Shrek one kind of are tied for me. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But yeah, like Smash Mouth, you know, they are one of the main reasons that movie is pretty great. You know, uh, because they did, you know, they did All Star, and then they did a cover of the Monkees' "I'm a Believer." And I'm gonna be honest with you, the Smash Mouth version is the best version of that song. Uh, 
You know, they have those down and walking on the sun. And, yeah, you know, it's, it is it's funny, you know. I think, you know, because I've been talking about this a lot and how I feel like there's, like, kids' music, you know. It's like, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to go through it. And people think, and like, people are thinking, like, Oh, that's songs that kids really like to listen to. But then I'm, like, going back to when, like, I was a kid, what music I like to listen to. Because, you know, when you're a small kid, it's hard to get, you know, you know, it's hard to, how do you start getting into music when you're, like, a very small child, like, third grade, you know, and you kind of like, I, I kind of like this whole music thing, you know. I remember, I think the first CD I ever bought, uh, you know, probably the first two CDs I bought were, uh, uh, Who Let the Dogs Out by Baham and the whole the album, not the fucking single. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the Shrek soundtrack was up there because, you know, when you're you're a kid, your parents, it's so weird, like, you know, because your parents are basically either giving you the money and they're, you know, they'll, they'll be the ones like, you need, can't listen to this or whatever and stuff like that. So you have to, you know, use your own money or whatever. But, you know, like I remember getting the, and I think my dad really liked, uh, he really liked Rufus Wainwright's, uh, version of Hallelujah, and so he, uh, so with that, you know, it, you know, I think we both enjoyed the Shrek, like, my first, like, kick into music was, like, Bob and Who the Dog's Death, that was the first CD I ever got, and then, you know, it was, like, movie, Disney movie soundtracks, like, The Lion King, Tarzan, you know, because, like, you know, obviously they're putting that music in a kid's movie, like, it's obviously at least, like, not inappropriate for kids listening, you know, and so, like, you know, Smash Mouth was one of, like, the first bands I ever really listened to, you know? So, uh, they're in my DNA. So, you know, the fact that Steve is gone, especially in his 50s, uh, you know, it's just very sad. And, you know, seeing that it was probably a drinking problem going along with it makes it also extra sad and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not. I'm sad about Steve's death, but... Also, you know, I've been, like, thinking about it. You know, I was like, just make every drug legal, you know? You know, every drug, every everything, just let everything be legal, you know? And people were like, but I don't want people on my street smoking. I'm like, look, if, if it becomes a problem for someone, uh, it'll be a problem for them. Like, it's, you know, I feel like us as a society are are too weak on discipline and stuff like that. Like, you know, we don't try to teach, like, you can't really teach someone to have discipline, but you can set examples and, like, oh, this is what someone with discipline is like, and so you're like, huh, I want to be more like that, or I want to take things more seriously, and so yada, 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 and you go from there, but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, and, like, I think it was Steve Harwell and then another guy that was Smash Mouth, uh, and, uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's just kind of a bummer, like, you know, I've never, I've never, I've never seen Smash Mouth live, and you know, everyone always jokes, "Let's go to the Smash Mouth concert." You know, and like, I tried to. What was the the Nickelback album? Uh, let's just go Nickelback albums. Uh, it's the one with the cars on it. Back albums. There we go. It was all the right reasons. So I think they were doing like a re reissue of uh, 
they're doing like the anniversary tour. What was it? The anniversary? Well, yeah, no, it would have been the anniversary tour. It came out in 2005. It was 2020, and I was trying to convince uh, TJ Marr, foot fetish extraordinaire, uh, in the band Ghost Town Remedy. I was trying to convince him to uh, go to the concert with me, but he said, and I quote, and we probably did have substance. Actually, no, I was I wasn't drinking at that time. That was the first time I ever took an edible. Uh, he, he said, I can't because I'd have to tell everyone at work why I need to take the night off. And usually, you know, first of all, at any job, you don't have to tell them that. You just say, you can just say, I need the day off or whatever. And I, you know, I definitely believe that if you give them an appropriate amount of time, uh, you know, if you can give, if you can give them at least, if you give them a month in advance and longer, you know, I, I, if you give some, someone gives you six months in advance, like, Hey, these days I'm not going to be available. Uh, you need to, not, that's your sign as a manager to figure that shit out, you know? Uh, but yeah, he said that he would have to tell everyone because he's going to the all the right reasons for <laughs> anniversary tour. So <coughs> he couldn't do that. But, uh, anyways, rest in peace, Steve. I don't know how we can make an episode themed out of you. So I'll just, uh, the, the first time, uh, when I was in downtown Nashville, I was walking around with my parents who don't drink, so like they just wanted to walk around and see things. I heard a cover band playing All Star, and it was great. So, uh, rest in peace, Steve Harwell. Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Your music was dog shit, but you were a good guy. Apparently, he Jimmy Buffett was like a great boss. Like people were like, yeah, I worked directly with him. I was like his assistant and some shit, and he's the best. <laughs> I was like, well, that kind of stinks that his music's garbage. But uh, rest in peace. Surprisingly enough, though, the Margarita in downtown on South Broadway, Nashville, or North Broad, is it? No, or just, you know, you know where all the bars are. Uh, Margaritaville is actually the, like, chillest ones I like to go to. Just because, like, one, it's not like a live band. You can get food. Drinks are, like, you know, cost what they cost down there. Uh, and then, like, the band is, like, it's like acoustic band. So it's sometimes two acoustic players or two acoustic player. Cajon or something like that, singers, you know, stuff like that. So, pretty cool. And uh, and then you know, obviously, if the the band, if the group's good or not, it's gonna be fifty fifty. One time I went down there and the guy took his like himself way too seriously. I'm like, buddy, you're doing a cover of crazy little thing called Love by the Queen. Don't be acting like one's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Shut up. I'm like talking about a weird thing. But you know, one thing that's not weird is my new song, Dry Spell, out now, wherever you stream your music at. Uh, you know where you stream music at. You know that service you use to stream music? And I guarantee it's like, I don't have one. I'm like, when do you listen to music? And if you say, and like, we're we're trying, and if you say anything but the radio, you know, or Sirius and you know, any type of radio thing, you can you can stream Dry Spell. Spell with a three, by the way. We didn't know. I'll go check that out. Available now. Streaming music. I think we. I'm still gonna play at the end of the episode, so don't. So we can all be chill there. Um, we got more music up where we stream music too, so you can check that out as well. Uh, I'm moving more pop punk emo, but the other stuff's very alternative pop. So you know, you know, still still a fun show. Uh, still a fun, you know, still a fun time. You know, smoke some weed. Listen to me. I don't. I don't know if it's better with. I don't know if my music's better with weed or not. Uh. I don't know. Never mind. Uh, but anyways, though, you can also follow me on social media at the Shweezy. I was in comment jail. I went, I got, I got, 
temporarily banned from threads, and I can't remember what I was trying to tweet, what I was, not tweet, but post on there. And then I tried to comment on Garth's po- uh, a Garth post, and I got blocked, and I got, you know, and it was the same same thing. <laughs> I think it was, like, the same day and shit, too. I'm like, God damn it, like, two, you know, they're both the same company, but still, you know, really, you know? Anyways, though at the Shweezies, where you can follow me on social media and great stuff. We have a Cash App, and we also have a PayPal page. Uh, those are great ways to say thank you for being a friend. We do have a Patreon page still, but I feel like everything's just a tip jar at this point until I can get good tiers for a Patreon. Uh, it'll just be a tip jar, too, so make sure you check that out. But, but don't forget all the free shit you can do. If you are uh, listening to this episode, so say you're just listening to the audio while you're driving or whatever, or you're doing errands around the house, make sure you go check out our YouTube page. We are posting highlights from the show. Uh, We're doing it in a new way now, which I hope are higher quality uh, or just uh, quality over quantity, I want to say. So that's going to be exciting. The best parts, you know, just just share with all your friends and family and uh, whoever else you... uh, Enjoy liking to you know share the show with your friends and family. Uh, you know, obviously, if you if you're like if you're just like usually listen to podcasts at home, like you know just chilling or whatever, throw me up on your fucking TV. I know every TV has a fucking Roku built into it now. I know you can have you can download YouTube and check out the show. But if you're on the audio platforms, uh, leave us a review. Give us a five, four, three, two, or one star rating. So cool stuff, neat stuff, slick stuff. Let's jump into previous week right now. What is previous week right now? You may be asking. Well, it's let's let's break down the title. It's going to tell you exactly what it is. Previous, that's like before. Uh, another word for like before or you know where in line you are. Week, uh, where I'm from, we go by seven day week, and in the seven day with previous, it's last week. So it's like last week, and then right now. And depending on your time of the day, it could be tonight. So it could be last week tonight if you wanted to. But that one was taken. So we're going with previous week right now. Let's jump right into it. Uh, First one's from The Independent, not written by Trent Krim. If you get that joke, uh, let's be friends. Uh, (laughs) This is the, you know... We go... I go through the news every... I, I go through the news every week. And the nice thing is... In small talk, it always gives me something to talk about that's not small talk. But this one threw me off guard a little too much. Uh, Stephen King wa- says wife threatened to leave him over Mambo Number Five. All right, so we're gonna get into this. Uh, Stephen King has recalled how his love of Lou Vegas hit song Mambo Number Five was so extreme, his wife threatened to leave him over it. The 75-year-old writer, best known for the horror novels including Carrie and The Shining, has been married to fellow author Tabitha Spruce, 74, since 1971. The couple have three children, Naomi, Joe, Naomi, 53, Joe, Joe Mama, and 51, and Owen, 46. Naomi is a minister. Can we talk about how Stephen King is old and his kids are also old? I don't know. I'm not... 20 years older than me. It's 20 years. 20 years is a pretty big age gap, you know? I'm not wrong there. 20 years is a... That's a big age gap. Uh, you know, if it's single digits, it's, you know, not that bad as long as they're 
Never mind. Uh, in an interview with the uh, with Rolling Stone, King was questioned about his love for the 1999 party favorite. Explaining that he was a big time fan of Vegas song, King explained, "My wife threatened to divorce me. I played that a lot." He continued, "I had the dance mix. I loved those extended play things, and I played both sides of it. And one of them was just total instrumental. And I played that thing until my wife just said, one more time, I'm going to.'" fucking leave you but she censored fucking uh, king says that he was most likely at the time working on 11 63 his 2011 novel about a time traveler who attempts to prevent the assassination of john f kennedy when i write there are things that i can listen to a lot and a lot of it is techno stuff or disco stuff but techno is particular uh particular king admitted listening to lcd sound system and fatboy slim among his favorites writing soundtrack artists generally however king said he listens to less music when he writes nowadays i think it's because i've slowed down a bit or the thought process is now as limber as it was when i say 30 35 and sort of thing he said but i still do listen to it when i polish when i rewrite and i listen to a lot of loud rock and roll king is an outspoken figure on social media and was one of the prominent voices to speak out regarding elon Musk's takeover twitter earlier this year with Musk now in charge, the platform has changed its name to X and strip verified members of their blue tick in April. However, King was confused to see he still had a blue tick despite not paying for it under the new Twitter blue subscription plan. Okay, that was irrelevant. You know, I, and here's the problem with this is that I relate to this problem, you know? Like, I relate to the problem. Like I said, like I said, I think I mentioned earlier in the episode already, the first album I ever bought, everyone like talks about, and especially in music, if you're in the music industry, you know, like you hear this, everyone talks about their, 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 the first album they ever bought. And the fact that mine has to be just Bahamans who let the dogs out is, uh, is kind of, uh, it's kind of annoying. So, uh, yeah. Uh, another story I want to say is, uh, just, which is remind me, which remind me of that. We're, we're going off topic, uh, here. So anyways, there is, oh, I'm trying to look it up here and talk at the same time. So Eastman school music, it's a, it's a very nice, it's a very good music school up in, I think Rochester, New York, obviously. Uh, and one of the cool things about it is, uh, I can't remember the fucking guy's name, but the theory professor there wrote the theory book that we used in our school and, like, I think a lot of other schools use. So, the guy, so, you know, the guy who invented music theory or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. Like, very interesting stuff. Like, and it's just, like, a professor at the school and it's, like, a really good school. Anyways, so... Uh, I played jazz, jazz guitar when I was in school and, uh, I want to say like skill level was, I wasn't the all-star in the big, big group, but I held my own and I was a good participating member of the group. That's how I see myself. You know, that's how I, I mean, at least, at least how I tried to and stuff like that. But I will also say in jazz, uh, there's a style of called Freddie Green style, which, if you really want to get into it, look just look up someone else's video. You know, this is this is my podcast, uh, and I'm really good at Freddie Green style. Like, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm really good at that. And that style is only good for like old 1940s style big band guitar, the type of like guitar. It's like that basically before like 
amps and amplification and microphones were really around. Like this was, you know, you know, you have to think about it that way and like how you play it. I'm, I'm really good at that. And it's not a good skill. It's not like a super useful to have. Uh, but I guess their jazz professor at Eastman School of Music came to visit us and I blew him away. And, you know, just maybe I was having a good day or something like that. I was, I blew him away with just like how decent I was at that shit. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and so like he thought, I, and so this dude thinks I'm like one of the fucking, the greatest player in this group, you know, or whatever. And like, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of laughing about it because I'm just, you know, because. If you if you actually I think I play I think I can at least play well enough where someone can pay me and they didn't feel like they got ripped off. I just, that's at least how good I feel like I'm good at as a musician. This guy's like, well, you know, the guitar player seems to really have it. Uh, who really inspired you on guitar to really get? You know, I guess we we're talking about like listening to people. You know, sometimes you got to listen. You know, listening is really important in music because you have to understand like why you have to play a certain way and why it works, you know, sonically and stuff like that. And so he's just like, oh, you know, the guitar player has it together. Who'd you listen to when you really started playing guitar? And I'm like, here's the thing, though. He asked that question. So if he asked a saxophone player that question, they'd probably have a normal saxophone answer question. For me, and I'm like, I don't want to answer this fucking question, but then I had to answer anyway. She's like, who'd you really listen to when you started playing, like, Green Day? You know, <laughs> that's who I was listening to. Uh, and stuff like that. So anyway, so that's me. Uh, Mama number five though, like, and I don't, I can't remember the words to this song. So, um, I usually just go with the characters of friends, you know, when I sing it, a little bit of Monica in my life, a little bit of Rachel on my side, a little bit of Phoebe's all I need, a little bit of Joey's all I see. I don't know how it goes, but anyways, but, um, it's just like that's just the oddest song to be playing on loop. Do do, and uh, that's why headphones are really great. That's why Nick. That's that's just why. I, just didn't 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 uh who the fuck loop didn't Lou Vegas say he was gonna release Mambo number six if whenever COVID was over. COVID's over. I'm waiting on Mambo number six, dude. I'm waiting to hear what the fuck's going on there. All right, next article. I think this is the article. Article of the episode. This is from AV Club. Uh, Jimmy Fallon says he's sorry, feels bad for allegedly fostering a toxic workplace. It's been a day, big day for Tonight Show host Jimmy Fallon. After a decade of reportedly running late nights, most coveted chair like a tyrant, Fallon told staffers on a Zoom call that he's sorry and feels bad. The low, low, low bar of apologizing to a small number of staffers was the least he could do after more than two current and 14 former members of the Tonight Show family told Rolling Stone that the long-running talk show was a toxic workplace. In the parlance of his unhappy crew, Fallon is up against it after the allegations of fostering an unhealthy and hostile work environment came to light this morning. It's embarrassing, and I feel so bad. Sorry if I'm em sorry if I embarrassed you and your family and friends. I feel so bad. I can't even tell you. Fallon told the Tonight Show staff over Zoom for variety. I want this show to be fun. It should be inclusive for everybody. It should be funny. It should be the best show. The best people. Fallon also addressed the constant churn of tonight's show showrunners, many of whom Rolling Stone reported were allegedly abusive, vindic 
vindictive and unable to reign Fallon in. Nevertheless, Fallon referred to current showrunner Chris Miller as a great leader and he and one he expects to be around for some time. Rolling Stone says the publication contacted more than 80 current and former employees of Fallon and none agreed to go on the record about their experiences or had positive words for Fallon. However, one in the apology meeting said Fallon's response felt earnest. The expose accuses Fallon of acting erratic and abusive at work. The burn was felt mainly by employees who claim to have mental health crises from working under Fallon mentally. I was in the lowest place of my life. I didn't want to live anymore. I thought about taking my own life all the time. One ex-employee says, I knew deep down I would never actually do it, but in my head, I'm like, why do I think about this all the time? Per Rolling Stone, Miller emailed employees after the expose was published. He wrote, while I know the reporter reached out to many of you before this piece ran, I don't believe what's written is reflective of the overall culture of our extraordinary team that I'm so lucky and proud to work with every day. The place described in the article is not the place I know. Still, it's disappointing to see something published of that does not capture the positive and inclusive environment I believe we have created together. All right. A flag is going off in my head just about this. Um, something, yeah, something's going off in my head. You know, I think, you know, Jimmy is very much, uh, I think everyone's going to put him in the same box as Ellen. And I think what, what went on with Ellen, it was like uh, when she's working on the show, like no one make eye contact, no one talk to her or stuff like that, even though she supposedly comes across as like, the very friendly, everyone's best friend, super nice type of person. And I don't know Ellen, so I can't really determine if, like, she's the greatest person that she's awesome or not, you know. Uh, or, like, you know, how just just how friendly she is or how, she's, how she treats people. But I also understand at the same time, and I feel like if Jimmy, if everyone's talking about Jimmy as, like, uh, this, like, evil dictator like Ellen, I'm like, well, you know... And, and I think Jonathan Majors also comes up here. When you're working, you know, it, it, like Jimmy, like you know, he has like five nights a week. You know, usually I don't. There's been a writer strike, so like nothing's been going on. Jimmy Fallon's not been going on. Follow him on Facebook, and it's just like do a leap throughout the years on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, but but here's the thing that like when if Jimmy needs to like focus, and you know, Jimmy's you know, the star of the show. So, you know, when, you, when you're a performer, you know, like, you have to know what you need to perform really well. And, and the thing is, you know, like, I'm a musician, so, I like, for me, it's like, yeah, I don't need much to perform really well. Um, you know, if you, do, can, if you can't get some benefits, that does, you know. I always like to get, like, beer for, you know, everyone, you know. Like, let's get some beer in you, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, just, like, you know, nice stuff. Like, people talk about, like, bands, you know. They're, like, they're asking, like, for couches and curtains in the rider. They're so fucking crazy. I'm, like, they're playing in the gym. Like, every big arena is just a gym, you know. Like, you're playing in the gym. Like, you don't, you're not going to fucking, if you've been in a locker room and you just fucking sit on, like, a fucking old-ass wooden bench and you're just, like, you know what would be really, you know, is, like, this is good enough for me, you know, like, you know, you're thinking, like, let's, I'll put John Mayer, of course, I don't know what his writer is like, so I can't really say anything else about him, but, like, he was the one who ran, like, yeah, I'm playing, you know, the green room's a locker room, you know, it's not the most comfortable of places, so, obviously, if you want a place to, you know, like, you know, focus, get ready, you know, hang out before a show, you kind of want it to be 
a little nicer. Uh, and, you know, and stuff like that. That's why everyone's asking for, like, and it's not just, like, for John, you know, like, you know, we're putting him as an example, even though I don't think he has a crazy rider, but he, uh, you know, he also has, he has a huge-ass cruise coming with him, so it's like, yeah, let's get a couple couches in here, you know, so everyone can, like, sit down, like, you know, and assuming the couch is probably kind of comfortable, you know, it's like, you know, everyone can have, like, a good time, you know, like, let's get food, and, like, this is for the crew, like, you have to think about it like that, and, you know, if, like, John isn't the most easy person to talk to before a show, it's probably because he's getting focused, so he can put on a show, because if he can't put on a good show, like, obviously, no one else is getting paid, you know, like, you have to, so when it's, like, the top of the pyramid, like, Jimmy is the top of the pyramid for this show, like, you know, like, if he doesn't want to talk to people, you know, before the show, if he doesn't have to, you know, like, you're, like, not everyone's just, like, I'll have 30-minute conversations with every single person I come in contact with. Some people are like, I just need to, like, be alone, you know? Just kind of, like, make sure our thoughts, make sure I'm relaxed, you know? Make sure my heartbeat, you know, is lower, you know, and stuff like that. So, you're prepping for a show, and, like, you know, if someone comes across as a dick in that situation, you know? That's nothing against their personality. You're probably just annoying them when they're trying to focus. So... That's something to keep in mind, folks. But, uh, and then also, so it's like, oh, are you annoying Jimmy Fallon? Are you a worker and you're annoying Jimmy Fallon and he's mean to you? No shit. But there's, but this also says, like, you know, I think it really tells you there's a lot more things going on here. Like, is it Jimmy? The Is Jimmy the problem? I don't know. Uh, he doesn't, even then, Jimmy doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. I mean, like, when you're working, it's not the time to be doing, you know, you know, Jimmy's going to be, needs to focus and focus on the show. So you just need to make sure Jimmy's good to go, ready for the show. You know, if he's being a dick, it's probably not personal. It's probably just like he's, you know. Uh, but also, if it's like a toxic work environment, I, usually when it's a toxic work environment, it's usually one employee. A lot of times it's one employee, but there can be a couple because a, a couple other people are kiss-ass, like little bitches, you know, when it comes to that. So... I'm going to guess it's probably, I feel like it's not Jimmy, you know, like if Jimmy came across as bad, it's probably just him prepping for a show. That's, you know, that's how I think Ellen is. I'm like, I think Ellen's probably still a good person. She's probably, she's too rich, you know, and like, you don't know how to act when you're super rich, but, uh, I don't think she's a bad person. I think she was just trying to mentally prepare for a show and doesn't want to be like, you know, you can't always be friendly. Like, you know, sometimes you could be friendly, like, you know, there's time. I think, you know, if someone's being an asshole to you, you know, think about the circumstance. And if the circumstance calls for like, oh, they're probably, you know, thinking about something else or whatever, going through something else. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, regardless of that, though, um, am I surprised this toxic work environment? No. Um, really, like a lot of times if it's a toxic work environment, it's like a couple people. And like the answer is like, Give them a warning and tell them they need to start, you know, treating people better or not. Or just ignore it altogether and then wonder, why can't we not keep employees coming around? Because, like, 20 showrunners? Like, showrunners, too. Like, that is a big job. And, you know, if I was Jimmy Fallon, I would want, you know, that'd be someone I'm like, I want to, I want someone who work, I can work well with. Like, you know, you have to go through all that. So, that's interesting. I actually don't know anymore about what's going on here. I need to, I should probably research this and see what's going on, but, uh, yeah, tell me your thoughts, please. I guess we're on to the last article. 
Um, this is from Screen Geek. Rumor, Warner Brothers has given up on Aquaman 2. The DCEU is slowly crawling to its end with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Of course, this has been a long road, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. In fact, a new report claims that Warner Brothers has given up on Aquaman 2 altogether. In between co-star Amber Heard's controversies, James Gunn rebooting the DC franchise, and Hollywood's current strikes, it's been difficult to determine the outcome of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. If the new report is at all accurate, however, then Warner Brothers has already determined the film is a failure. Warner Brothers has already been rather slow with advertising the film. Now we may know why. It seems like the studio is hesitant to spend a lot of money on marketing for a film that they don't believe will succeed. We've already seen this happen with The Flash, which bombed despite the pre-release hype. Because they know it's bad, claims Casey Walsh on X... Uh, when alleging why Warner Brothers isn't marketing the film, they know it'll lose money and they aren't putting a marketing budget behind it at all. Here's the tweet. So this is from the comics kid or Casey Walsh. Oh, no. No, I want to read this first. Uh, when Batman Fly is the, is the Twitter user, Aquaman 2 is coming out in three months and still no trailer. Why is no one panicking? Uh, and then Casey Walsh or the comics kid because they know it's bad and they know it'll lose money and they aren't putting a marketing budget behind it at all. Of course, this should be taken with a grain of salt, but it certainly seems like a reasonable possibility, especially when The Flash did bomb and Warner Brothers will soon have a new continuity to market. It's certainly a sad time for fans of the DCEU, but it's to be expected at this point. Stay tuned. Okay, never mind. That's them. So... Here's the thing. I think James Gunn announced like his new DC slate too early, but like also like he wanted to get the hype up for it. But also when he did that announcement, it was basically every is going to be like every DC movie until the super the next till Superman legacy like doesn't really matter. And they tried to make the flash matter when they were like the flash will reset the DC timeline and it'll be the DCU and did it though if they would have I think if they would have left the ending with like whoever the new Batman is that like the new Batman like it was just a no there was no face to it and like that because in in DC comics the flash will go away for very long periods of time and then just come back out of nowhere uh, at least Barry Allen I don't know Wally West were the other ones like if they do the same but it's not super uncommon for a flash character to just be gone uh so like that but I think they're at a point where and so I've seen so they've that'll so after Aquaman the new Aquaman that'll be the fourth DC movie to come out this year and let's talk about it. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, great movie, by the way. Uh, I think that movie is really great, but it was also like, everyone's like, will this matter? But they're like, well, we're kind of in like our own little thing. Like, so that means it doesn't matter. <laughs> Shit like that. So they did that, and it didn't do well because everyone was like, well, it's going to be reset, you know, it was, you know, so it doesn't really matter. And they could still probably keep Zachary Levi as Shazam. I think he'd be really good. Uh, they did that. And then... The Flash, which was supposed to be big and probably would have been a lot bigger if it wasn't for Ezra Miller, and it just kind of flopped. And it wasn't a bad movie. There was questionable CGI, but it was, I think it was still a solid movie. I thought The Flash was still a solid movie uh, and so like that, but no one wanted to see it because Ezra Miller. Then Blue Beetle came out. I haven't seen that yet. 
But it's also like, who cares? Like, you know, like, why am I supposed to, why would, why should I want to be seeing this? Like the last two films, you've kind of just determined these don't matter. So why am I going to want to go see this one? You know, you know, and then like, that's what I think they're thinking about with Aquaman. But also there's an actor strike, there's a writer strike. So they can't even have the actors go on to do press. So I think at a point where it's like, yeah, we're just going to see if we can, you know, uh, we're going to take the L on this one. I think they're just trying to get, I think they're just trying to push all these projects that are like already have, you know, have done or made and, and stuff like that. They're just trying to get it out. So that way they can start getting, uh, just start with a new one. So that's the thing though. I think the, the like Aquaman, it's just not going to do good at the box office, but will it be a good or a bad movie? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. You know, like the movie, like, I heard Blue Beetles was really good. Like, people say it was a really good movie, and then I thought The Flash was good. I think Shazam, Fear of the Gods, was really good as well. So, I don't know. We were determining there. So, I think, you know, DC, like, I don't know. They should probably not... They're probably just not, like... Let's not worry about whatever the fuck DC is doing until uh, till Superman Legacy. Once Superman Legacy comes out, we're going to determine... Uh, should we stick around for this or what's going on? I was just like, has Jen's gun already lost? Has he already gotten the L? Uh, because I think Superman Legacy, because every superhero project he's done so far has been somewhat comedy driven. Uh, and, you know, and it's just like very goofy and shit like that. So I'm not sure, uh, we know, when we get to Superman, I'm like, this will be like the first James Gunn film that isn't just, almost a comp if you get me like it's not the scooby-doo movie you know I, you know he has other ones too um and stuff like that so i don't know interesting stuff uh, tell me your thoughts in prayers and the in the comments or whatever yeah you know fnx fitness the ultimate destination for fitness enthusiasts looking to reach their peak performance and achieve their health goals are you tired of the same old fitness routines that leave you feeling uninspired and unmotivated look no further than fnx fitness where they bring a fresh and innovative approach to your fitness journey at fnx fitness they believe that true fitness goes beyond just physical strength it's about nourishing your body and mind and soul to unlock your full potential that's why they offer a wide range of high quality supplements and products designed to support your active lifestyle. Fuel your workouts and enhance your recovery with the scientifically formulated supplements. From pre-workout energizers to post-workout recovery blends, FNX Fitness has you covered every step of the way. Their products are carefully crafted using premium ingredients, ensuring you get the nutrients you need to perform at your best. But don't take, but FNX Fitness is more than just supplements. It's a community of like-minded individuals who share your passion for fitness and well-being. Join their supportive community and gain access to expert advice, workout tips, and motivational content that will keep you inspired and on track towards your goals. They understand that fitness is a personal journey, which is why they offer a wide range of products to cater to your individual needs. Whether you're a seasoned athlete looking to take your performance to the next level or a beginner taking your first steps towards a healthier life lifestyle, FNX Fitness has the tools and resources to support you every step of the way. But don't just take my word for it. Join the thousands of satisfied customers who have already experienced the FNX Fitness difference. Transform your fitness routine and unlock your potent full potential with FNX Fitness. And using our code in the description, you can save 15% off your order from their website. 
ready to take your fitness to the next level, uh, visit their website on your nearest or your nearest retailer today and discover the power of FNX Fitness. Elevate your performance, fuel your passion, and become the best version of yourself with FNX Fitness. And a reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, and save money with just a few taps on your phone. Are you tired of dealing with the hassle of carrying cash or waiting in long lines at the bank? With Cash App, you can say goodbye to those inconveniences and hello to a seamless financial experience. Sending money to friends and family has never been easier. Whether you're splitting the bill at dinner, paying your share of rent, or simply sending a birthday gift, Cash App lets you transfer money instantly directly from your bank account. No need to worry about writing checks or handling physical cash anymore. Uh, but Cash App doesn't stop there. It's complete financial ecosystem right at your fingertips. Use the app to easily pay for your morning coffee, groceries, or even your monthly subscriptions. With just a simple scan or tap, you can make purchases at millions of locations, both online and offline. And here's the best part. Cash App helped you save money too. With its innovative Boost feature, you can unlock exclusive discounts and cashback rewards at popular retailers, restaurants, and even your favorite services. It's like having your own personal saving assistant always looking out for the best deals. Worried about security? Cash App has you covered. With top-notch encryption and advanced security features, your financial information is always protected. Plus, if you have ever had any questions or concerns, Cash App's dedicated customer support team is available 24-7 to assist you. So why wait? Join millions of satisfied users and experience the convenience, speed, and savings that Cash App brings to your financial life. Download the app today from your app store and start sending spending and saving money like never before. Luckily, the best part is if you sign up using the link in the description, you get a free $5 just for signing up. That's literally just free money. Uh, so join Cash App today. The future of money is here. And when you use our links, you directly support this show. So I found a really silly show, a show that is so silly, I don't know what to do with myself when I watch the show. Uh, it's a little show that you may have heard of. It's a show from Home Box Office, uh, the channel Home Box Office. Uh, it's a very old show, um, very silly though. It's a very silly, is it a comedy? It's the question I'm going to be asking you today. So I'm starting a new series uh, where I go over, which I've decided that I'm going to go through each season of The Sopranos, usually on this show, if I talk about a show or something like that. I'll talk about it, like, I'll watch the whole thing, and then I'll talk about it. But I thought, hey, what a cool idea that we can go through The Sopranos. I don't know if we're going to be doing this every week. I'm going to finish the season and then have the whole segment. About it, you know, obviously, I think it's what we're doing, but uh, is the show like that's a real question for anyone watching The Sopranos today? We're gonna be going over Sopranos season one, but is it supposed to be a silly show because it's just silly? And I don't know if it's just actually just a silly show or if we've parodied you know Italian uh mobsters so much in media that just now I'm just giggling every time because like, you know, I think about it as like, okay, maybe they're just goofing on Italians, but like Tony Soprano has to make like a little one liner comeback for like every, you know, every little thing here. And you're like, you're going to shoot me in the face. I'm talking to a big old Dick Cheney over here. I'm like, is everything like a little joke and a little bit 
to you guys, you know, in the mafia, you know? And so, you know, that's been interesting. So let's, I really just want to go into you, so the Sopranos season one, talking about that. The main reason I think I finally started this is, uh, I've been kind of like a fan of, uh, it's uh, not today, pal. It's Rob Eiler and Jamie Lynn Sigler. Uh, they're the kids, Meadow and AJ on the Sopranos. And now they're growing up and they, like, they both have like, act like real siblings and like the chemistry is really good with them. So it just like makes it a good show. But, but I'm, so I'm watching it for like the kids on the show, but, uh, sometimes I think I'm missing the mark with how silly this is. And it's like, I have noticed season one, I mean, at least with season one, it's like Tony Soprano is just going around, going on little side adventures, you know, seeing what happens, you know, like little misadventures, the misadventures of Tony Soprano, you know. Anyways, though, I, let's let's summarize the season. Did I write this? No, ChatGBT wrote it. Rider Strike is going really cool right now. As if I wouldn't be using this, you know. If you'd like to be an intern, please email me or DM me. I guess you can write this shit. Um, so we're like introduced to Tony Soprano. He's from New Jer- New Jersey, and he's a mob boss. Uh, is he a mob boss? I think he's like they call him like captains or whatever or shit like that. Like, do they are they really giving out titles like you're the captain now? Hey yo, Tony, you're the captain now <laughs> and shit like that. Um, basically, so yeah, we're basically it's all from like the point of view of. Tony. So like basic so it's almost as if is it first person? Honestly, it's kind of it's like first person slash third person. I think it's technically it's kind of first person for the most part, I want to say. I was like I'm thinking like the Harry Potter books where like the Harry Potter books are all basically first person from Harry's point of view, which the movies translated really well because I think Think about like that scene where Ron and Hermione go into the Chamber of Secrets to uh, to take a fang off of the dead basilisk that's just living there. You know, it was like, should we do something with the dead basilisk down here? Now let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, and like in the book, in the Harry Potter books, it's just like you heard Hermione and Ron mention what they did, but in the movie, you gotta watch it. You know, uh, this is yeah, we're basically just following Tony for the most part. I think it. Uh, does trickle away into other people too, uh, but the thing, big thing with Tony uh, T or Anthony, whatever you want to call him, listen T, is that he is having panic slash anxiety attacks. I've recently learned that there is a different uh, anxiety attacks are, I believe, triggered by something, whereas uh, panic attacks they just happen, you know. So. Uh, when people talk about, like, if you're having a panic attack, just don't panic or whatever. I don't know. You know, shit like that. I'm like, well, if it's triggered by something, you know, figure out, like, hey, you know, this triggers you. Don't let it trigger you, you know, the other stuff. But I think, so I think technically he's having anxiety attacks. A lot of it's triggered. Like, he's, he's going to a therapist. And so, and that's really the interesting thing about this show is, like, Tony's up, is, like, a mob boss going to a therapist realistically from what i heard though from guys who used to be in gangs and stuff like that is that uh those guys really can't go to therapy and stuff like that one they do mention this in the show but for the most part it's like if you like 
everything stays between you and your therapist unless it's like you're going to hurt yourself or you're planning on hurting others or talk about hurting others. That's like the one time they have to be like, hey, man, I'm up. Why did you do that? That's so that's so bad. Don't do that. It's bad. So, you know, he's you know, he has his he's going to a therapist and then, you know, we have all the the cast of characters. All the guys in the mafia, you're, it's going to be hard for me to memorize all of them. I know Polly, um, and then Christopher, Christopher uh, that's Tony's nephew. Christopher's the fucking dumbass of the group. I, I kind of have a feeling he's like the Jesse Pinkman of this show. Like I said, I've, I've only watched season one so far. I haven't even started on season two. I wanted. I told myself, like, you don't get to watch season two until you record this. So we're going to see what happens. But Christopher, like, he he's... He has Jesse Pinkman vibes, but I don't feel like I feel like uh, Christopher's a little bit smarter than uh, than Jesse Pinkman. So I don't know. Maybe compare the two. Uh, yeah, and then then he has his two kids, uh, Meadow, Jamie Lynn Ziegler, and Rob Eiler is Anthony Junior, uh, AJ. And if you didn't know, uh, the reason why they call him AJ is because. He has the same name as his dad, but with Junior involved. And they can't just call him Junior because then there's Uncle Junior, which is like this old guy. And I'm going to be honest with you, with these New York, New Jersey guys, it's hard to, like, tell Italians and Jews apart. You know, I'm from the Midwest, you know, but, like, Italians and Jews, especially from New York, very similar. They're, like, way too similar. So there's Uncle Junior I believe everyone's Italian, but I also feel like everyone's also a little Jew. There's Jewish characters in the show, too. Uh, something I don't get. But Tony's mom's kind of just the worst. Just kind of like, I don't know, because Tony's like, I got to take care of my mother. And then his mother, like, puts out a hit to have him killed and shit like that for her being sent to, like, a retirement community, which isn't even that bad, you know? I have an aunt who lives in a retirement community, and she... Uh, I don't know how to speak. I don't want to speak for her today, but she chose to do it. So, and she's doesn't hate it there completely. So it's not too bad. So, you know, so we have all the cast of characters and it's very interesting because I guess when you think about like mafia crime, you just think of like, they're always just like killing people and doing crimes and their whole life revolves around it. But no, that's the thing is like a lot of these mafia guys, like they keep their home life and their work life very separate minus like people from work tech you know quotations uh coming over uncle paulie uncle paulie and i don't even know who is and isn't related in this world yet so I'm trying to figure it out i think christopher is uh tony's nephew uncle junior that's his dad's brother his mom is obviously his mom but then yeah there's just a lot of fucking you know there's a lot going on here um and so, yeah, and then basically throughout the show, uh, you kind of have, like, this rivalry between Uncle Junior and Tony and Junior. And, like, they're just kind of like, Junior, you're in charge, but Tony's, but it's like, he's not really in charge. We're in charge because, like, Tony's little crew. Nice thing, I like Tony's little crew because they seem like good, they, you know, for, for mafia guys, they seem like good guys. Uh, at least I think they have, like, their morals in place. Like, they don't just... You know, I think like a lot of shows I watch, you know, like the violence in it is just violence for being violence. Like, oh, someone just says something to you that's rude, like kill them. But I feel like with, uh, you know, on this show, they only really kill people 
if it's necessary. You know, they're like, fuck, oh, man, I'm sorry. I accidentally killed you, man. Uh, so, like, it's kind of the rivalry between Uncle Junior and Tony, and I think they're, like, fighting for the top, but not really, but Junior... But, like, Junior, that's Tony's dad's brother, and becomes good friends with his mom, and his mom is just kind of losing her fucking mind uh, from old age, you know? But, uh, so, yeah, we wouldn't let her live in her own house by herself, but uh, we'd, we'd probably still let her, like, you know, be a politician, uh, <laughs> create laws for everyone, you know? So, uh, you know, but... uh so yeah, and so like you're watching this first season, you know, we're just watching the like I like to call this the misadventures of Tony Soprano, uh, you know, and how he interacts with the, like, you know, he like how he balances his life between like his criminal world and like his family life, you know, because he's like taking care of his mom and then stuff like that, but then like for him work is like got you know, uh, we're gonna get some stuff that falls off the back of a truck, uh, really cool. Really cool stuff there. So, uh, you know, there's a weird plot where he's like, I'm in love with his therapist. And I'm like, ah, come on. I mean, like, there's a reason I go to, like, a therapist who is, like, the age of my mom or older, you know, around there. Because, I don't know, it's weird. And you're like, you're, oh, yeah, they made a weird thing. Like, you're going to a chick therapist? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it makes... I'd rather go to a chick therapist. I'm, like, I'm not going to fucking tell my problems to a guy, you know? You know? Like, I think therapy's a great thing. I'm in therapy. I do therapy, and I think it's great. You know, I think it's I think it's good that Tony is in therapy. You know, I'm not saying he shouldn't be. Uh, you know, however, though... Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be telling those, you know, things I would say in therapy. I don't want to be telling that to a guy. You know, I don't know. It's just me. You know, it's like getting a massage therapist, like a man massage therapist. I'm like, it doesn't. I don't know. For me, I don't think it feels as good as a one. I don't know. You know, and you're like massages aren't sexual. Like it's a little sexual. Like you know, it's like it. It's there. You know, it's there. I don't know. We're not gonna get anywhere. Right? Anyways, though, so, you know, it's just the misadventures of teens in the very late 90s. Also, James Gandolfini, I think, when the, you know, first season aired, he was 38. But if you know anything about how TV works is that he was probably between, I'd guess he was between 35 and 37 when they were filming, you know, so like that. I'm like, that dude was old back then, like 38. Like, my, I have friends who were 38, and they do not look anything like James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini looked 48 in the show, and he was like, he's like, he looked 10 years older than he actually is. You know, it's like, his skin looks pretty smooth, but at the same time, he's like, he looks also as old as fuck. Uh, you know, the season ends where, I guess, Uncle Junior and Tony's mom put out a hit on Tony, and Tony survives an assassination attempt. You know, everyone's like, it's mob, something weird's going on in the mafia, and then, the season ends, like, Uncle Junior and his posse I get arrested, but Tony is still, for some reason, you know, he's good and shit like that, you know? Like, it's funny, and, like, the series... And that's the nice thing about the... I know how the show ends, and which is kind of a bummer because I know that Tony's never gonna die throughout the show, but also, like, the show's about him, so they can't really do a show. I don't know, he might die and come back with magic. I don't know, I haven't watched the other seasons uh, and stuff like that, so, like, yeah, he uh, survives an assassination attempt, and, uh... 
It's like, yeah, and that's the thing with these mob stories, you know, if you're going to make a ne- another season of it, like how like a mob story should end. It was like they get arrested or they get away with it or they, you know, they escape or something like that, you know. This one just this one just ends like the family eating dinner, and I love it. If you know anything about the ending, it's it has it's very similar, you know, the first I don't know. It's very it's a very interesting ending. Whenever I get to the finale episode and that final moment, Sopranos will talk about it more, like very artistic. I probably talked about it a little bit on uh the Schweg cast whenever I did that show. And even though I still never watched the Sopranos, I just knew how it ended. You know, because it was a crazy end. It was just very out-of-nowhere ending. Like, no one expected it to end the way it did, you know? So, hopefully that's an explanation of kind of the events that happened. There are more nitty-gritty details, you know? Like, Meadow going to a college and they see a guy from the mafia in a witness protection program who ratted out a bunch of other guys. And so, Tony had to kill him. And it shows, like, this other guy knew Tony was around. You know, almost killed him, but Tony has his daughter with him. So he's like, I'm not going to kill you in front of your daughter. But that was his, the, that guy's fatal mistake because Tony killed him anyways because he broke the oath or whatever, you know. So, you know, very interesting, you know. I think I think very much, like, Tony is living on borrowed time. He's like, yeah, Tony probably, you know, the way Tony lives his life, he probably shouldn't be alive, you know, like how dangerous of a life he lives. But... He keeps living, you know? He, he he keeps living. You know, but, like, finishing the season, though, I've made a lot of observations. One, I like I said earlier, this show is way too silly. Like, this this show, the silliness in the show, and, I, and, like, that's the only word I can really say to describe this show is silly, you know? It's a great show. Like, I'm hooked, you know? I'm sitting down watching it, and I'm not getting bored watching it, you know? Like, the episode ends, you're like, I want to know what happens. I want to know what happens, you know? But it's silly. That's the best way to describe the show. It's silly. It's Italians. It's it's the it's watching an Italian stereotype, you know? It's like, you know how, like, hey, don't be doing stereotypes, it's bad. But then you make an entire show of just stereotypes. But we're like, we're not trying to be funny. And then you're always fucking making jokes, you know? Shit like that. Um, but here's the big thing I've, I've realized. The big thing I realized about myself watching the show. Cause sometimes, because... Realistically, it all has to come back to me. Um, I think I could be really good friends with guys in the mafia, uh, especially like the older guys. Younger guys are a little can get a little too violent and a little like if someone's like, you know, none of these guys, you know, in the mafia, all the old friends of Tony, like Polly and Tony and Pussy. Like, really, there's a guy named Pussy on the show, you know? There's a guy named Pussy, you know? You're just going to call him that? How do you, like, just with a serious phrase, like, yeah, I'm going to go over to Pussy's house later and talk to him for a minute. You're like, okay. You know, it's like, it's a funny joke for a minute, but, like, actually calling this dude. And he Pussy's just like, yeah, man, that's my name. Just call me Pussy. You know, like, don't, you know, don't do that. Uh, but, like, Polly and Tony, you know, like, they're not generally, like, violent human beings, you know? You meet those people who are just, like, very violent. Like, if you accidentally annoy them, they, like, push you slightly or whatever, you know? You're like, oh, when you get upset, the first thing you go to is violence, and those are not good people to be around. Like, those are genuine people you want to avoid in life. Like, if they get angry, their first thought is violence, you know? And I know some people think that, and you were just, you know, we were all raised wrong. Like, so you just got to work out. Like, hey, when you get angry, don't use violence. Go through your emotions and, you know, process it, you know. Uh, but I could be great friends with those guys in the mafia. One, I think the biggest thing is uh, I would not ask them for money or 
not really go into business with them, you know? Uh, that'd be the big thing, because when people have problems with the mafia, it's because they owe them money, you know? Uh, you know, I can help them out. One of the guys were like, you know, we're assuming that, like, I'm not known for being friends with the mo- with these guys, like, you know, and stuff like that, you know? Because there's one part in the season where Tony's like, goes to his neighbor who was kind of like, I don't know, like, he went out golfing with him and his friends kind of demeaned him. He was like, what's the mafia like? You know, it's like, it's more than, you know, Tony doesn't want to be defined by his job or whatever. You know, and stuff like that. And then he's just like, hey, I need you to hold on to this for me. It was like, it was like a box. I can't even remember what was inside of it. And he's like, uh, how long? Like, a month? Maybe more? Maybe less? I don't know. You know, if so, if, if I knew a guy's in the mafia and he's like, hey, I need you to hold on to this. I'm like, okay. And I will literally not open it. You know, I'm just like, you know what? Curiosity kills a cat. I'm aware. I am not going to, I'm not going to bother with it. So what I'm going to do, find a good hiding spot for it. Keep it in the hiding spot. And then just not think about it. Uh, listen around if you think the cops are going to search your house or whatever. Hide it somewhere else, you know? Uh, I mean, I would do that, you know? Like, look, man, if, if this keeps the peace. But it's also like a weird thing because apparently guys in the mafia, they'll give you gifts. And, and it's like questionable what you're supposed to do when given gifts from someone in the mafia, you know? Because realistically, you're just like, Oh, hey, man, thank you for the, thank you, this is really nice of you, thank you so much for it. And the mafia guys will be like, you owe us, and I want you, I want, I want you a restaurant to be where I murder people. And I'm like, oh. Because, you know, like, you don't mind the mafia doing their mafia stuff, you just don't want to be involved with it. And, you know, and from what it sounds like with, like, Tony and Polly and the other guys, it's just kind of like, you know, if you're not in business with them, they're okay with not talking about work, you know? Like, apparently, we hear about kids who are like, oh, if you had your parents, like, who worked, did, like, who just did crimes and shit like that, you know, if you asked them what job they did, they would just be like, ha, funny you, you know? They give you a little a little runaround and just goofy shit like that, you know? Uh, and so, like, you know, yeah, if you find the mafia guys who aren't just, like, outwardly violent, who solve all their problems with violence, you know? Like, you know, I think, you know, I think I could be good friends with them. And, like, look, man, I if I... I think about, like, movies or whatever where, like, a crime is happening or someone gets hurt or something like that, but then, like, a maid walks in and accidentally sees it, and like, fuck, now we have to kill the maid. I'm going to be honest with you. If I see a crime going on, I'm ignoring that shit. I just recently heard, uh, because Danny Masterson's in the news for being a piece of shit, and, like, apparently one time a woman was murdered by another guy, but Ashton Kutcher apparently walked in and saw her dead body and they just kind of walked away. And he told the police that what happened was, uh, he, he went to the door, rang the doorbell, knocked on the door, looked through the windows and didn't see anything and left, which is, which I mean, like he didn't murder her, but like he didn't tell the truth there either. I'm like, if I saw a crime happening, I'm just going to leave. I'm like, look, I didn't see anything. You know what? Like, why would I talk? Because, like, I don't like the police either. You know, like, I probably hate the police more than I hate mafia guys. So, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking talk to them. If I see a crime, if like, I walk in on a crime happening, you know, I'm like, didn't see anything. I just walk away. You know, I'm like, I didn't see anything. You know, like, I don't understand how people are like, oh, I'm going to tell the police. I'm like, no. Look, the options are either keep your mouth shut or they kill you, you know? And if I don't want to die that day, you know, some days I do, you know, it's called mental health, folks. I'm in therapy, but 
yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I didn't see anything. You know, this sounds like more of a problem. And that's what, ner- like, you know, if, like, someone has a heart attack or whatever, you're like, or, like, you need to call 911 for them. You're like, I mean, like, I want them to be safe, but I kind of just want to call 911, wait for 911 to get there, and then just leave, you know? I don't want to, like, stay there. Like, they need a statement from the police. Everyone needs to know what happened, you know? Like, I don't want to do that. I just want to help them, and then I want to leave, you know? Uh, So, anyways, though, if you're in the mafia and looking for some friends, I'd be a great friend. Um, Like I said, I don't really want to ruin our friendship by adding business to it, but... uh, Honestly, I did think of something. Uh, so as like as a music producer as I am, uh, it's not uncommon. I don't know how big it is, how you know, big of a thing it is anymore. But it's not uncommon, especially back in the day when getting studio time was a lot of money. Basically, when you hear about record deals, if you just a fun fact, someone's like, "Oh, I got a, like a ten million dollar record deal." What that means is they didn't like get ten million dollars or whatever you know or whatever you think what happens is a record company is giving you that as a loan to make as the artist to make the album and then the idea behind that is to is that you're going to make an album the record company is going to sell it and so you have your loan and obviously once you sell so many co- so x amount of copies of your album or music or whatever and after you pay back the loan you get to keep that profit so you know since you know record labels are just basically loan sharks for musicians. Some people have gone to the mafia for movies and stuff like that. Now, what I would do is I would find an artist who's looking for funding, tell them to meet with my friend Tony. Tony gives them a loan to make the album. I get paid from that money for my you know hard work and uh, you know my work ethic and uh, just you know good you know making money the old-fashioned way, the good way. Uh, but I know that money comes from the mafia and the artist would have to pay off the mafia. It wouldn't be my problem. So I would, I'd probably, I'd probably do that. That'd be the sleaziest thing I would do. But also albums don't cost that much to make anymore. So like in 1999, when this show came out, like, yeah, especially, I think they talk about it a lot from like the sixties onward. I think there's one guy that's the Jew in the show. I guess he works with the mafia, but it's a record label too. And it's not, yeah, it's not super uncommon out mafia. Cause I mean, like if it's just, because I mean, like, rec- I mean, like getting records on is like taking a loan, doing this shit. That's why everyone does it at home now. It's like, oh, if I buy a guitar myself, mod it to make it sound like, you know, a really just amazing guitar that you get at a studio, you know, it's no big deal. All that music stuff is interesting to me. Uh, the, you like the music stuff, the Tonian therapy, you know, like all stuff that's super relatable to me. But I do want to say one thing, and I'm going to end. Uh, my season one synopsis. Uh, could the mafia, you know, I like the idea of organized crime, but I don't like the violence, you know? Violence as in just murdering people. I feel like we could do organized crime without violence. I'm like super, you know, it's the woke mafia, you know, coming at you. And it's like, we do organized crime, but we don't hurt people. And honestly, though, killing someone, you know, you may be afraid of death, you know, I don't know. You know, it's it's a dark thought in my mind, but like torture, like and making someone suffer, I feel like you get more satisfaction than just like killing someone. You know, once they're dead, it's like, why did I get this revenge while they killed someone else? I'm like, oh, that person's not back alive. But like, if you torture them, if you torture them, you're gonna get that satisfaction. At least what I think. I've never tortured anyone before. 
not like realistically of like you know hung things over people's heads you know and and those were are also just to make me laugh not to actually like be mean to someone anyways uh but anyways though the sopranos very good start you know a lot of times you watch a show you're like okay the first season's a little rough you got to get through it but then it gets really good like season one of the sopranos really good i don't know if there's a bad season or a good season i haven't really gone into like a wiki or browsed reddit on everyone's thoughts on the sopranos but uh overall i'm liking it so far uh i gotta get into season two i'm gonna watch that and i will return with all my thoughts there drizzly the ultimate convenience for all your alcohol needs delivered right to your doorstep tired of making last minute trips to the liquor store or dealing with crowded aisles and long checkout lines with drizzly your favorite drinks are just a few taps away making your alcohol shopping experience easier and more enjoyable than ever before Drizzly brings the liquor store to you, offering an extensive selection of beer, wine, spirits, and more. Browse their vast catalog of top quality brands, local favorites, and specialty beverages, all conveniently organized on their user-friendly app or website. With Drizzly, there's no need to leave the comfort of your home. Simply choose your favorite drinks, place your order, and let their reliable delivery partners handle the rest. Whether you're hosting a party, relaxing after a long day, or simply stocking up for the weekend, Drizzly ensures that you drink your drinks are delivered promptly and securely but drizzly isn't just about convenience it's about choice discover new flavors explore unique craft brews or find the perfect bottle of wine to complement your meal with drizzly's vast selection you have the freedom to choose exactly what you want when you want it worried about the hassle of age verification drizzly has you covered their delivery partners are trained to ensure responsible alcohol delivery making sure that only those of legal drinking age receive their orders your safety and the safety of your community is their top priority Join the millions of satisfied customers who have already embraced the convenience and simplicity of Drizzly. Say goodbye to the hassle of traditional alcohol shopping and hello to the ease of having your favorite drinks delivered to your doorstep. That's not all. Using our link in the description gives you $5 off your first order, which can greatly enhance your night, if you know what I'm saying. Uh... Ready to elevate your drinking experience? Download the Drizzly app or visit our website today and experience the future of alcohol shopping. Cheers to a new way of enjoying your favorite drinks with Drizzly. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Honey, your ultimate online shopping companion that saves you time and money effortlessly. Are you tired of endlessly searching for coupon codes or missing out on the best deals when shopping online? Say goodbye to those frustrations and hello to Honey, the free browser extension that revolutionizes your online shopping experience. Honey is your personal shopping assistant that automatically finds and applies the best coupon codes at checkout, helping you save money with just a few clicks. No more wasted time scouring the internet for discounts. Honey does the work for you, ensuring you never miss out on a great deal again. But Honey doesn't stop at coupon codes. It goes the extra mile to ensure you get the best price possible. With Honey's innovative price history feature, you can track the price changes of your favorite products over time. This means you'll always know if you're getting the best deal or if it's better to wait for a price drop. And the best part, Honey works seamlessly with over 30,000 online retailers, including popular brands across fashion, tech, home goods, and more. 
Whether you're shopping for a new wardrobe, upgrading your electronics, or sprucing up your living space, Honey has your back, ensuring you get the best value for your money. Worried about privacy and security? Rest assured, Honey is committed to protecting your personal information. They never sell or share your data, and their browser extension is designed with top-notch security measures to keep your online shopping experience safe and secure. Join the millions of satisfied users like me who have already saved millions of dollars with Honey. Download the Honey browser extension today and unlock a world of savings every time you shop online. Don't miss out on an incredible deal and the chance to save money effortlessly. Experience the power of Honey and take your online shopping to a whole new level. Honey, the sweetest way to shop online. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. It's time for Oh No Our Table, the part of the podcast where uh, whatever problems that you have been facing in your life, I'm just going to answer some right now, or at least the entertaining ones, because that's what heroes do. Uh, as long as my hair's looking good, we can go. I told my boyfriend he has a small D. That's rough. Well, my boyfriend recently made hurtful comments about my appearance, claiming I scammed him because I looked better in college. I used to be slim and active, but due to the hormonal changes in PCOS, I gained weight uh, that I haven't been able to lose. He continuously brings up how I used to look and makes negative remarks about my appearance. When I expressed my feelings, he dismissed it as a joke. This has made me feel insecure. And questions is attracting to me. In a moment of frustration, I retain, retaliated with hurtful words. I'm now seeking advice on how to handle this situation. So, yeah. So I, I know women are really they they they're a lot more into their looks than men are, you know. But like, for some reason, and I don't know how to explain this, but for some reason. Telling a man he has a small dick is a pretty big insult. Because I think, because I guess the idea of a man is like, oh yeah, you know, it's like satisfying a woman. It's like, it's just so exciting. You know, it's like a real man satisfies a woman. And then, you know, and then you hear like, oh, you have a small dick. And you're like, oh, I guess I, you know, and like, for some reason we associate that with like, oh, if your dick's too small, you can't satisfy a woman. I'm like, only your mom. Well, your mom's like that. Uh, if chi- that is a weird thing of like chicks are really adamant about your dick size. Like, look, like most guys are like, I don't know what guys are, but I feel I feel like three inches can get the job done. You know, I feel like three inches gets the job done. You know, so if you're smaller than three, uh, hard, hard. We're talking about hard here. We're not. Gonna, if your dick is under three inches soft, you're probably normal. Uh, and you probably can't do porn because no one wants to look at the little, little mushroom that down there. Your little soft dick. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. It sounds like, um, when I hear a situation where he's probably calling you fat and, uh, <coughs> you're calling his dick small. Sounds like we have a communication problem in this relationship. I would suggest talking to each other. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. You know, I'm just I'm just a I'm just a boy from Kansas, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to solve the problem, but have you guys ever tried <laughs> Fellas, have you ever tried just talking out your problems with someone, you know, letting them know that makes you feel bad? I always you know, 
let's go personal because the show is about me, by the way. Uh, whenever, like, you know, I never intend to, like, I love joking around. I love, like, busting each other's balls, you know, and stuff like that. But, like, I never want to, like, hurt anyone. So when people do come up to me and be like, hey, that really hurts me. And I feel, one, I feel bad. And uh, that's probably why I feel awkward. I'm like, oh, man, I don't. Never, I never intended, you know, for it to be like that, you know. It's always just good fun, you know. It's always feel bad, but it sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like you guys have communication problems, but you're 25 and he's 27. I don't know. Actually, no, I've been that age. What, what point do we just get like, hey, if we can't, we don't know how to communicate with each other about things. We probably shouldn't be a couple, you know, and uh, stuff like that. So... I don't know, man. Um, he says he you scammed him. I don't know, dude. This guy's kind of... I mean, actually, I don't know, dude. Even then, like, even if it's, like, the boy... What do other guys talk Me and my guy friends, like, we definitely don't talk about... We really don't talk about women that much, you know? We, I mean, most of my friends are married, so I don't really... I don't really do that. And also, don't feel the need to be like, oh, that chick's... I mean, like, the most I'll be like, that chick's hot, you know? That's, like, the most I'll go into it. Like, when guys are, like, really super cool, you're like, I think I'm in the wrong crew, you know? And shit like that. So, I don't know. It doesn't sound like you're a good couple together if uh, he doesn't like how you look and you don't like his dick size. So, I'm just gonna say, it's probably not gonna work out. Is it healthy to have a relationship without sex? I have been with my girlfriend for four years. We never had sex because she believes that sex before marriage is wrong. She also does not want to engage in any sexual activities such as handjob, blowjob, because she thinks that our relationship should be pure. I have been feeling sexually frustrated for a long time because I have a high sex drive. I also lost interest in her. I think I would even reject her if she agreed to have sex with me. Is this normal? How can I deal with this situation? Um... So, I think your girlfriend probably likes women. I don't, you know, I think, dude, that's a rough situation to be in, for real. Um, I don't know, because, like, how healthy, is it healthy to have a relationship without sex? I'm gonna be honest, you know, I don't think so. I don't think, you know, it sounds like she's probably asexual or gay. So, you know, if you're not asexual, you're gay. That's a good that's a good question. You're like if a chick's not that into you and you're like, are you gay or something? <laughs> That'd be I need to start using that. You're like, oh, I didn't know you were into women. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> and she's like, that'd be a fun. I think if I can figure that out right, I think I could use it. And I can meet very very toxic women. You know, I was like, all the women, like you have to try all this shit on. You're like, you have to let her know that you're not interested. So she'll become interested in you. I'm like, do I really want that relationship, you know? So, I think, yeah, is sex important in a relationship? I I do believe so, yes. Um, and she's like, we have to be sexually pure, and I don't know. It, it's kind of... sounds like you're fucking down bad, dude. Um, because, I don't know, it's like, why are you hanging around this person and having sex with them and you're not related to them? It's like, you gotta do all this fucking dumbass boyfriend shit. I don't know. It's just like, you know, I'm from the I'm from the Christian era where it's like, we can't have sex before marriage, but like, 
you both been dating for four years and you still haven't, like, even, like, done hand shit or whatever, you know? Like, it sounds like she's either gay or asexual, dude. Uh, I think you should break up with her. I don't know, I'm feeling a break up with your girlfriend type of day today, a break up with your partner. I think that's the mood I'm in today because, I'm like, obviously, if you look at this, like, you, you have a high sex drive and you're dating someone with probably no sex drive. Uh or at least no sex drive to men. Like, because, you know, that's the problem with the Christian thing, you know? It's like, oh, once you get married, the sex is going to be the best it's ever been. I'm like, and people do that, and guess what? They were lied to and shit like that because of that. So, I don't know, dude. If if this is, I don't know how you've gone four years without this. I'm like, honestly, if I'm seeing a girl, it's like after a couple dates, if it's not like, you know, you know, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, like you don't want to, it's, it's the fine line of like, I don't want to date like the girl who like puts out for everyone, but I do want that girl who puts out for me on the first try, you know, you know, you want to be that like special exception. I think that's what men really want to be. But, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if she's, I don't know. I'm not interested in a woman who's not interested in sex, you know? She's just like, yeah, I don't really like that, you know. I, I just kind of like knitting and shit. Like, I'm like, ugh. I'm like, I'm just not interested in that type of, you know. She's like, yeah, I don't really have it. I remember there was this one chick, and I remember she had, she was very pretty, and uh, but she had like heart problems or whatever. And I think she mentioned to someone else, and I just overheard. She's like, no, nah, I can't have sex because of my heart. And I'm like, that's gonna be a deal breaker. That would be a deal breaker right there. God damn. Anyways, though, break up with her. Be like, either we need we need to start fucking we need to start fucking, or I think I need to find someone else because I can't just be do going to be going to fucking pumpkin patches with you and not getting my dick sucked. You know, that's normal people shit right there. You know, like you do that fucking bullshit so you get wiener touches and you're not getting wiener touches. Like you know what's the you know what's the point? Like you care for her maybe, but like I mean I really care for people when they touch my wiener. You know. It's just who we are as humans. Is it really okay to be with an older woman? There's an eight-year difference. She's 32. I'm 24. I've known her for about a year now. She is really sweet and pretty, and she's definitely expressed that she's into me, but I'm not sure about this much of an age gap. Is it okay to pursue this or not? Um, first of all, I, I'm going to assume you met at the ages you're telling me. I'm just going to assume that. Because if, uh, she's 32, yep, okay. So, there's an eight-year gap. So, let's say you're 15 and then she's 23, you know, and that's when you met her and she waited until you turned 24 or what, you know, weird shit like that, you know, like, that's called grooming, FYI, if you didn't know what grooming is. Uh, if you want to learn more about grooming, go to your local church, um, they will teach you everything you need to know about grooming just letting you know if you, they're the experts in grooming is the christian church so they'd be good to let you know more information there than i could probably give i don't really know much about grooming uh, i know what it is but i don't i'm not really not really educated enough on how to do it so that's why you go to the church uh but uh yeah no i don't think this age gap assuming you met at this age is that bad i think the big differences there's a lot of differences when it comes to age gaps 
Uh, if it's just sleeping together, you know, it, that's fine. You know, that's like the easiest thing ever. Friends with benefits type of situation. Easy, you know, easy thing ever, you know. She's a divorced mom, you know. That's a little bit of baggage you got to deal with. There's a kid, yada, yada, you know that. Uh, divorce, no kid, you know. It's you're, You might be a rebound, you know, something like that. And sometimes an age difference, like, you know, it's just sometimes people are in different parts of their lives. And, uh, you know, it's hard to deal with that because uh, it was like I was dating a chick who was like 12 years older than me. And, you know, uh, personality-wise, we were just both in very different parts of our lives, you know. And that's the real problem. So usually when I suggest if you're going to be sleeping around with older women, my best suggestion would be uh, don't get attached. And it may just be a physical thing. Don't try and put the L word in there. Not the lesbian's L word, the other L word. Uh, because that could be a big deal. So yeah, I'll just say uh, you're both in kind of like this same part of life. I think it can work out even if there's an eight-year age difference. 32, 24 is not the worst you know, assuming you met at that age, you know, it's weird when it's like, yeah, I've known her since she was 12, but, uh, you know, and I've always been eight years older than her, and then now, you know, that's when it gets weird. Is it possible, ancient aliens, is it possible to put yourself out there and still be a virgin? Does it mean that there's something fundamentally wrong with me? I'm a 21-year-old male virgin who has been using Tinder and Bumble for three years despite swiping over 22,000 times and getting seven matches. I haven't had much success. I am socially active, involved in sports, work out, in various activities. I regularly ask girls out but haven't had any luck with dates or relationships. I wonder if I'm objectively unattractive or if there's something else going on here. Is it, pos is it possible to fail even when I haven't done anything wrong? Um... First bit of advice I would give you, you said you're on Tinder and Bumble. Uh, dating apps are basically just beauty contests. You know, we've we've decided that, like, no, we're not going to use these apps to look for partners. Like, a handful of people are. It's hard to, you know, reach for them. The people that are, they're like, you're not my type because we're way too picky. Cause, you know, I don't know. There's something about when we get on a phone or a computer and, like, when you search for something there, you're super picky. But if you have to go to a store, you know, that's how I feel about online, like dating. It's like online shopping, you know, and like, you know, it's like, is this, is this really what it's all about? You know? Um, so yeah, I would say ditch the dating apps because they're not doing shit for you. They're just beauty contests. And then the people who are dating aren't because the people you, the, all the people who are looking to, or on these dating apps looking for someone to date are not meeting each other, you know, uh, it's just very awkward. Uh, you're a virgin. I don't think that's a problem, dude. Um, what I would say here though is pretend if you think it'll be a problem, pretend you're not a virgin. It's called lying and lying is the most fun a girl can have with her clothes on. That's a panic at the disco song. It's also from a movie, but that's a panic at the disco song. So remember that what I will. Yeah. So like I said, uh, what I'll say to you is uh, lower your standards because you, you might be shooting out of your ballpark and that could be a problem, uh, especially if you have, like I said, you've been, the, the win streak is zero, you know? You know? Like sometimes, you know, it's not uncommon for college basketball teams. I know KU does this. They go to a D2 school and they play them and they pay the D2 school to let them play them. 
but there's also in the contract that they have to win. So, you know, it's like a good game, but oh no, they won. Oh, how do they do that? You know? So, you know, it's just a numbers game. You know, you just got to play a team that's worse than you, you know? Uh, there's a lot of fat chicks out there, dude. Find one of them. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Do guys actually not get hints that someone has a crush on them? For context, I, 16-year-old female, uh, have been crushing on a guy, 15 male, for about a month. I tend to drop many hints, and all of our mutual friends, females and males, caught up with it quickly. They often joke about not disturbing us when we are together. I know I month one month is not a long time, and I don't want to take things too quick, but is there actually a chance that he hasn't noticed? Okay. So the big telltale sign of the problem in your situation comes from the fact that you say you're dropping hints, but you're not explaining what these hints are. Meaning that these hints that you're giving are probably not good, especially when it comes to dating. Because you think, like, as a third party looking at it, it's easy and obvious to find out. It's easy to un- easy to fucking understand that shit. But a lot of times when you're the first party in the situation, you know. And, like I said, you're talking to a guy. And a big thing about being a guy is uh, we're told that we sexually assault women. And a lot of us don't want to do that. And a lot of us don't do that. And so we're always nervous about it. Because sometimes flirting, depending on the situation, can be sexual harassment. So... Uh, a good guy, most, most guys, I, w- I want to say most guys, but like good guys for the most part, it's hard for them to do that. And like they, a lot of times, even like I said, when you're the first party, you like, you, you can obviously be confused. Like, is she really into me or is she just a bartender doing her job? You know, we, we fall into those situations quite a lot. So it's, it's, it's hard for the guys. So the thing is, like I said, whatever hints you're giving are clearly not good. So, uh, you said all our other friends, the man, the men and the women caught up. And at this point, like if the guys are catching, catching on to this, they're going to tell him, they're going to tell this fella about what's going on. But from what it sounds like, yeah, uh, women think that they give good hints about like, I like you, you should come out with me. But like, really those hints were not fucking good. Like they're like, oh, I saw this guy, I really wanted to come talk to me, so I just stared at him, you know? Like, that's not how you get a guy to talk to you. If, like, just go talk to him or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it sounds like you're not giving good hints and he's not catching on to him. Uh, but he may like, he's probably still likes you, dude. Um, it'd be really surprising if he doesn't. Uh, especially from what it sounds like you have a lot of alone time together, you know? Sounds like, yeah, that would probably work out for you, you know? Life's what you make it, so let's make it rock. You know, Hannah Montana. Should I pursue this girl? I met a stunning girl who I consider the girl of my dreams. We spent the night walking on the beach and getting to know each other. Eventually, we ended up having amazing sex multiple times. I had to leave early in the morning for work, but she wanted me to stay. The next day, I called in sick and went back to her place to spend more time together. However, I haven't heard much from her since then. I asked if I would see her again, and she said probably, but she doesn't initiate contact. I stopped reaching out because she seems uninterested. I wonder if not spending the night with her was a mistake, and if I did something wrong, she mentioned she loves flowers, so I'm contemplating 
sending her some. Is that too desperate? I don't know, man. Um, it sounds like you were convenient for a moment, uh, or whatever, you know, like when you had to leave early for work, like that's when she had time off. So she wants you when it's convenient for her, you know, and that's the thing though. And I think you were falling into a trap, which I like to call being a simp. It's no simp September. We have entered the month. We do not simp for ladies here. We, we do our own shit. We play, we play video games. We don't simp. We play video games. Uh, so yeah. So I think she just wants you when it's convenient for her. Uh, because I don't know, like when it's a good relationship, like you're not, you shouldn't have to question shit. When you get to shit like this, like you shouldn't have to question it. Like, you know, she doesn't really talk to me anymore or initiate any sort of a contact we don't really talk anymore and i thought about reaching out i know she likes things but i really want things to go on good with her i'm like i don't know dude sounds like this chick has daddy issues she you know and a lot of times you know if 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 you if you try to be a good guy and you know you you feel like i'm doing everything right why does nothing seem to be working out for me i'm like i think this chick kind of sucks you know and it's not she's not a bitch she's not a cunt she just fucking sucks and not in the good way so, um, like, the best thing I'd say is, like, you know, keep her in your heart, but don't do anything else for her, you know? Um, even then, I think, even then, she might be one of those annoying bitches who's like, uh, he's way too into me, I'm not into it, he's too nice to me, I'm not into that. I don't know, just, just ignore her, dude, and move on. Maybe, maybe even trick her into thinking you're going out with another chick. And that will make her jealous, and she will put out even more. And ladies, what's, there's nothing better than putting out, you know? It's the best thing you can do in life. And we finally made it to the last question here. How do you know if you're attractive or not? Okay. Well, there's many ways to determine how good you look, you know? Comparing yourself to others can be good, but you might, you know... Especially, you said you're, I'm going to talk to the men. Women usually seem to know their value. You know, I think that's a very big thing for women. Like, in their appearance, you know, women's values are more in their appearance. I mean, I mean, I don't think that way, but I think society has thought that way for a long time. So, uh, women kind of seem to know who is and isn't attractive, you know, and they have to kind of know their worth and stuff like that. But for men, it's like, you could be kind of ugly, but you're funny and a good hang, and you're, you know, you're just a good person and very caring, you know, and, like, that's a good quality for a woman, too, so, like, men, you can't really tell who is and isn't attractive unless you're, like, Ryan Reynolds, you're, like, or in a Hallmark, or getting cast for Hallmark movies, you might be an attractive man there, yeah, you're an attractive woman, too, unless you're the, unless you're the villain, you might be ugly if you're the villain, but I digress my case, but, for the fellows out there, fellas, if you want to know if you're ugly or not, uh, first of all, think to yourself, have I ever been hit on by a gay man? And if so, think about the situations. And that's a that's a big confidence booster. Like, if a gay man is hit on you or try to hook up with you, you're not ugly, okay? You're, you're fine just the way you are. 